0: Well, good morning, everyone. Good to see you all. Let's pray together as we, um, as we turn our attention to God's word, shall we? Heavenly Father, we, we just thank you and we praise you for who you are this morning. We thank you and praise you for your word. We thank you for this time to come before you and to worship you and to hear from you. And we just ask and pray that your spirit would be at work. That you would encourage our faith that you would speak to each one of us this morning and encourage us. We ask this in Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. Amen. Well, today we are starting a new four-week series called Follow Christ in the Days of Your Youth. And then after Palm Sunday and Easter, Uh, We are going to have a Communion Sunday. We're going to take time to focus in on communion and on the meaning and significance of communion, which we do from time to time. And then after that is finished, we are going to go uh, through the book of Deuteronomy uh, as a church. So that is where we are headed as a church. Uh, But with that said, why do a, a sermon series targeted to children and youth, right? I mean, the Bible is for all ages, That's partly why we keep children in the service and try to apply things to them as we preach. Our Sunday service is a gathering of all God's people to worship Him under uh, the authority of God's Word. Children and youth are full participants in that, and that is the clear pattern in Scripture. So all of Scripture is for all ages, but the Bible says specific things to specific Groups of people, to specific people. So it talks to husbands and wives, moms and dads, pastors and government leaders, and we address all of them. So uh, this series is going to focus on what the Bible says specifically to young people. Of course, there's going to be plenty of application for all of us as well as we go through this series. But let me give a, a couple of other reasons for this series. First of all, Uh, the devil gives special attention to the souls of young people. Many people come to Christ, uh, most people come to Christ when they are young. So he is diligent to do everything he can to keep young people away from Christ, away from salvation, all he can to keep you young people from growing up mature and becoming fruitful Christians. As J.C. Ryle uh, said, the devil uh, well understands that to spoil the bud is the surest way to mar the flower. The second reason, another reason to call young people to follow Christ is because of the sorrow that it will save you. This is one of the main reasons uh, that I actually got into ministry in the first place. I didn't become a Christian until I was 22 years old, still young, but uh, lived plenty of life and made a lot of mistakes and suffered a lot of misery. And I would spare you that if I could. And I think uh, most of your parents would probably uh, agree with that. Then last reason is that who you will be depends in large part on who you are now. Youth is a time of shaping. So you can can take an oak tree and you can bend it when it's a sapling, but when that thing grows up and matures, a hundred men can't Bend it. Habits are like trees. They are strengthened with age, whether they're good habits or bad habits. That's why the devil doesn't care how spiritual your intentions are. He, he doesn't care about how spiritual, how good your intentions are. It's fine with him as long as it's for tomorrow. And when you read your Bible, you have the intention to read your Bible. The devil doesn't care as long as you do it tomorrow. Now, follow Christ, It's your intention. He doesn't care, as long as it's for tomorrow. But it's the decisions that you make today, big and small, that shape who you become. So following Christ in your youth sets you on the right path, prepares you to keep serving God as you get older. Those are just a few reasons that the Bible says, remember your creator in the days of your youth. Now, these four sermons are going to somewhat line up with what we call the four spheres of discipleship. Uh, we use this as a framework for understand, understanding discipleship. It's your walk with God, it's, it's your, how, your ministry to your family at, at church and in the world. So it's just a framework for understanding that. Today we're going to be focused in on your relationship with God, and our primary text is Ecclesiastes 12.1. It's on the screen for you. Look there with me. Remember your creator in the days of your youth before the evil days come and the years draw near of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. The message for us today is simple. Follow Christ now in the days of your youth. God has a purpose for your life. He wants you to serve him faithfully your whole life starting now. So we're going to unpack our text in its context. We're going to look at some examples and then apply it as we go along. So if you have your Bibles, turn or uh, yeah, turn back to Ecclesiastes chapter 12. It's in the middle of your Bible. It's after the book of Proverbs. I'm going to quickly unpack Ecclesiastes 11.9 uh, to 12.8. We'll go through that quickly. Um, Ecclesiastes is not an easy book to read and understand, so a little bit of context will help us. The author says that everything is vanity or meaningless. It's like a mist that is easily swept away. It's, it's hard to, to grasp, to hang on to it. And we have to remember, one of the most helpful things you can remember as you read the book of Ecclesiastes is to remember it's not the whole Bible. It's just a part of it. It doesn't tell you all of the truth, just part of it. A very helpful part, but just part. The book teaches us about the vanity of this world apart from God. Now, Job learned that lesson by losing everything. The teacher in Ecclesiastes learns that lesson by having everything. He had everything, But he realizes that no matter how wonderful the things of the world may be, none of them can fully satisfy you. There's something, always something, that is missing. So seeking purpose in these things is like chasing after the wind. It's meaningless. Now, the Bible affirms both the goodness of God's creation on the one hand, but also it affirms the terrible effects of sin after the fall. That's what makes our need for Jesus shine so brightly. The power of this book of Ecclesiastes is showing how bleak everything is under the sun without God. The phrase under the sun is actually used 28 times in this book, and it's referring to the things of this world. It's looking at this world entirely from an earthly perspective. That approach to life is meaningless, it's vanity. Empty, Like we saw last week, this world is a bad place to invest your life. You can't find meaning and significance in the fleeting things of this world. That's the point of the book. God didn't make us to find our satisfaction in this world alone, but in Him. It's only with God that we get the right perspective on life and how to rightly use the things in this life. Only with God do we find true meaning and purpose. And one of the most important lessons in the book of Ecclesiastes is understanding that when you're young. So near the end of the book, we read, Rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and the sight of your eyes. But know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. Remove sorrow from your heart and put away evil from your body. For youth and the dawn of life are vanity, they're fleeting. Remember also your creator in the days of your youth, before the evil days come and the years draw near, of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. So, young people, the Bible tells you to enjoy your youth. Enjoy your youth. But before you go party it also gives the reminder, the advice is given with a reminder that you are responsible to God for the way that you live. Live life to the full, but know that you will answer to God for all that you do. So the Bible excludes here any uh, view of then living life to the full as going and living however you want, living to satisfy your own sinful desires. Some things are bad, and verse 10 teaches that you have to say no as well as yes to some things. Avoid what will injure you inside or out, in your heart or in your body. The strength and the time of your youth is short, so use it well, in other words. How? By, by faith and by following God. It's why he adds, remember also your creator in the days of your youth. Before the evil days come and the years draw near, of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. Man, I think it's hard for young people to imagine a time in life where you would say, I find no pleasure in these in it. I think that's really hard uh, to imagine. You're young, life is good for the most part. You have so much energy, you have opportunities, you have so much to look forward to. But when you get older, you have all the pains and weakness of old age, decreased physical and mental strength. Verse 1 calls these the evil days. And then in verses two through eight, the onset of old age leading up to death is pictured with a variety of different metaphors. I'm not going to go through them all, but let me just point out a few so you can get a sense for this. Verse two uses the weather to speak of the general difficulty of old age. One thing it says is that the clouds return after the rain, referring to how it gets harder to bounce back from troubles and health issues as you get older. Verse three says, the keepers of the house tremble, that's the arms and the hands begin to shake. The strong men are bent, the legs begin to weaken and sag at the knee. The grinders cease because they are few. The loss of teeth make it hard to chew solid food. Those who look through the windows are dimmed. The eyes slowly lose their strength as well. In verse five, the loss of mobility is pictured as a grasshopper that drags itself along. I mean, grasshoppers, they bounce all over the place, right? Just like children. There's pep in their step. They're 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 bouncing around. But as you get into old age, you're not like that anymore. You slow down and it's this picture of a grasshopper that drags itself along. Until finally the person goes to their eternal home and people mourn in verse 6. They return to the dust and their spirit returns to God who gave it, verse 7. And vanity of vanities, says the preacher, all is vanity. So the teacher tells youth to make the most of life while they have the ability to enjoy it. But he warns them to remember they'll have to answer to God for how they use God's gifts. Those gifts include everything that you have. It's your life. It's all your material blessings, all your spiritual blessings. It's your time, your talents, your opportunities, your resources, everything that God gives you. He reminds youth that life and all of these blessings are fleeting. The lesson, that lesson is so hard to grasp when you are young. So hard. Because right now you have your strength and opportunity, but as you grow older, this will diminish. So remember your creator in the days of your youth. Fear and follow God now while you're young. So how can we apply this? First, And hopefully, obviously, come to God through faith in Jesus Christ while there is still time. Life is short. Give your life to Christ in faith. Confess your sins to him. Ask God to forgive you. Trust in Jesus Christ to save you. Your sins separate you from your creator. They make you his enemy. But God shows his love for us in this, that while we were sinners, Christ died for you. Jesus gave his life to save you. He took God's wrath against your sin by dying in your place for your sins. Then he rose again from the, the dead, defeating sin and death, so that anyone who repents and believes in him might be forgiven of their sins and have eternal life. Anyone who turns away from sin and puts their trust in Jesus Christ to save them is forgiven and has eternal life. The only way you can have a right relationship with the Lord is to come to God through faith in Jesus Christ. But second, if you're a Christian, if you've done that, then follow Christ while you're young. Remember your creator. We, we uh, send out each week a little catechism question, and maybe you kids, if you have done it, you can help me out with this. Uh, question one of the catechism is, who made you in the children's catechism? You guys know the answer? Who made you? Yeah, that's right. God made me. Good job. Question two is uh, what else did God make? The answer? Yeah, yes, God made me in all things. Exactly. And some of our little kids just say all things, which is totally awesome. The third question is why did God make you and all things? What's the answer? That's right, for his own glory. So remember, when he says, remember your creator in the days of your youth, he's saying, remember why God created you. God made you. He created you for himself, for his own glory. He wants you to faithfully serve him and follow him even when you're young, while you have the strength of your youth. And those who are older in life, they have the right perspective. They have the right perspective. They know that life is short. They, they know what is most important. They see the value and the significance of serving Jesus Christ, of living for him. They get that. They see that. But when you're there, sometimes they say, man, I wish I had done this. Or I wish I could do this. Because their strength isn't there. God is saying here, get that perspective now while you're young, while you still have your strength. That's the perspective, living in light of eternity, and God wants you to have that when you're young so you can live your life rightly in service to Him. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the, the best use of the time for the days are evil, Ephesians five sixteen. Knowing that time is short, knowing that judgment is coming, young people, God wants you to serve him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. He wants all you have, all of your life. He wants you to live completely sold out for Jesus Christ. Now, there are so many examples of young people Serving God faithfully in the Bible. Take Jeremiah, for example. God told Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. And he said, "Ah, Lord God, behold, I don't know how to speak for I'm only a youth. But the Lord said to me, do not say I am only a youth for to all to whom I send you, you shall go. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Don't be afraid of them for I am with you Deliver you, declares the Lord. Jeremiah 1 4 through 8. Now, obviously, Jeremiah had a unique calling from God to serve him as a prophet, and, and we don't share that calling. But the point is this God called him to that task when he was a youth. Jeremiah was most likely less than 20 years old. Indeed, God appointed him before he was born, verse 5. And though the work that each one of us have is different, the same thing is true of us. God has planned and prepared good works for you to walk in before you were born. The psalmist writes this, Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there were none of them. Psalm thirty-nine, sixteen. God wrote down every single one of your days before you lived, a single one of them. God is the author of your story. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God is the one who created you. He, he called you to faith in Jesus Christ and saved you. He's the one who made you his own, but he's also the one who created you. He gave you your own unique gifts and abilities. He determined the time in history, the place in the world in which you would live, Acts 17, 26. And he prepared good works for you specifically to walk in. Every one of you, God has planned things for you to do. It's amazing. It's so encouraging. He he planned these things for you using the unique gifts, the unique abilities, the unique opportunities that he created for you with the people right around you. What does that mean? It means that God created you with a purpose, with meaning. Living for him is the greatest significance that you can have. Now, you might be thinking something like Jeremiah. Well, I'm just a youth. What can I do? But God said to Jeremiah, don't say I'm only a youth. And don't be afraid because I am with you. You know, God makes that same promise to you that he made to Jeremiah, I will be with you where I send you. God is the strength, your strength, the one who gives you all that you need to do all that he asks. At at every age, every age, God has work for you to do in service to him. And he promises to be with you where he sends you. Whatever it is he calls you to do. You remember the little servant girl from 2 Kings chapter five? And there was a man named... Naaman, and he was the commander of the, the army of the king of Syria. He, he's a man who was mighty in valor, he was mighty in battle. There's only one problem, uh, he was a leper, and his wife had a servant, and we learn in 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 2, she was a little girl from the land of Israel. And she said to her mistress in verse three, would that my Lord were with the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. She must have been trustworthy and faithful because it's that testimony that sparked Naaman's journey to the prophet Elisha and his eventual cure. And we hardly know anything about this little girl. We know that she was taken from Israel to a foreign country against her will and forced to become a servant. We know that she had faith in God because of her confidence in God's prophet. And we know that she cared about the people that God called her to serve because she shared what she knew and she believed about the Lord with her mistress. You got to remember, these were her enemies, She was there against her will. She's in a foreign land. She's surrounded by strange people. She could have kept quiet, but she didn't. And we don't know much, but we know enough to say that this is a very special little girl who served God in her youth. Naaman was healed because a little girl who believed in the Lord spoke up. And Jesus would later use this story and name it as an example to rebuke the people of Nazareth for their lack of faith. Luke chapter 4, verse 27. How about the lad who shared his lunch from John 6? We read that a moment ago. A crowd was following Jesus. How big was that crowd? Well, it was about 5,000 men, not counting women and children, uh, verse 10. And Jesus says, to Philip he asked Philip where are we going to buy bread so that these people can eat he said this to test him for he knew what he was going to do love jesus he saw this he knew this was an opportunity to meet people their need not just physically but also spiritually and as a way to strengthen their faith so he asked Philip this question where are we going to get enough bread to to or you know where can we buy food right for these people and Philip answered he says 200 denarii is not going to be enough bread for each of them to get a little, verse 7. Buying a bite for each person costs more than we have. There is no way we can do this, Jesus. And then Andrew says, he points out this lad with his lunch, but but he still is assessing this situation from, from a place of doubt and not faith. Listen to what he says. He says, there's a boy who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? verses eight and nine. Of course, you know the rest of the story. Jesus takes the five loaves and the two fish and he feeds everybody that's there. And I really hope that they liked leftovers. I know some people don't like leftovers, but they had 12 baskets full of leftovers afterwards. Now, the boy is a minor character in the Bible and he seems insignificant, but his lunch became the launching pad for a great miracle and the basis for one of Jesus' most important sermons about his identity, about who he is as the bread of life later. I like how Paul Tripp puts it. He says, we will never know which little person God will use and how. That means we're never without anything to offer. We never know who the Lord will claim and use in ways we can't predict. The Lord knows us all. He knows where we are, what we have and how we can be used. He's the divine author over each and every moment writing our stories. He can do eternally amazing things with the little fragments of our lives that we're carrying around and we tend to think aren't worth much, end quote. Now, obviously, the point of the story is about who Jesus is. That's what it's about. But God used this little boy as a part of his plan to reveal it. And we might think, what can I really do But God uses all of our little acts of faith to carry out his work in the world. We don't know everything that God has planned for us to do. We don't know what the outcome is going to be. We just know that he plans to use what little we have to do his work in the world. And we'd run out of time if we were going to go through all the examples of youth being used in the Bible, like Isaac, Joseph, Joshua, Samuel, David, Ruth, Josiah, Esther, Daniel and his friends, Mary, Timothy, every one of them served God as young people. Every one of them. Many in their teens and early 20s. These were all people just like you. They weren't perfect, they were surrendered to God and He used them. They all had obstacles to overcome and hard things to do, just like you. They all had trials and temptations to endure, just like you. Yet despite their youth, they served God. All we need to do is to be faithful where God has placed us with what He has given us. We, we need to be careful how we define greatness and success. Success is just being faithful, Faithful to serve God with what you have, faithful with the opportunities He gives you, faithful with the gifts and abilities He gives to you. Faithfulness is the measure of success, and joy is the result when we walk with God and we serve Christ. I'll say this again and again and again God's way is not just right, it is right, but it's also beautiful and best. It is where you will find your greatest joy and satisfaction. It is where you will find meaning and significance. We are all looking for that. We are all looking for purpose and meaning and significance. Every one of us in this room is looking for that. We're looking for something that we can say, my life matters. And the book of Ecclesiastes wants to tell you, young people, you cannot find it in the things of the world. You can only find it in service to God, in following Christ. Remember your creator in the days of your youth. This is where you will find meaning and significance and purpose and joy and satisfaction. So how do you grow in your walk with God, your walk with Jesus Christ? It's what we're focused in on today. The thing that you need to know, the, the most important thing for you, is to know Christ, not just in your head, but to really know Him, to have a relationship with Him, to walk in fellowship with him yes knowing the grace of Christ in your salvation but not just that knowing the strength the power the promises of Christ in giving you the, the ability to follow him and to 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 do what he commands and I hope that every single one of you in this room would be able to say personally that Jesus Christ is my shepherd my king my comfort my rock my refuge, my fortress, my strong tower, my righteousness, my savior, and my God, that you would be able to say that, that's who he is. I know him in that way. That's the most important thing. Walking with Jesus is the only way you can be strong in the faith. But how do you do that? I mean, we talk about that, that's great, but how do you do it? The basics of that are having Personal devotions, spending time in prayer and doing what God commands, obeying him. So how do you have a, a quiet time or a personal devotion? Whoops. Step one, it's nothing fancy. It's, it's really important. Okay, look, everyone's doing something in this room right now that's really important, but you haven't thought about it once. You're breathing. Having a personal devotion with the Lord is like oxygen, spiritual oxygen. You cannot survive long without it. So, okay, how do you do that? Here's the basics. Step one, start with prayer for God's help. Lord Jesus, please help me understand your word. Please speak to me and grow my faith. That's it. Something along those lines. You start simple with a prayer for God's help. Then you read. You read your passage for the day. You read it thoughtfully. Think about what you are reading expect god to teach you to speak to you look for a truth to believe the bible is full of truth that god wants you to believe look for a truth about about god about yourself about the world or look for a command to obey if you have a question about something that you don't get and you're a young person then go ask your parents about it ask them to explain it to you or if you're older in addition to asking or talking to your parents, you could go talk to a friend. You could go talk to a mentor that you have in your life. Read some every day until you work your way through the whole book. Read until you work your way through the whole Bible. The Bible is your map. It's your compass. It's your guide to get you through, to navigate life. The, the psalmist says, how can a young man or woman keep his way pure? by guarding it according to your word. Psalm 119, verse 9. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Verse 11. So that's step two. Read. Step three, finish with prayer. Prayer for God's help to believe and obey what you just read, what you were thinking over. A very simple way to pray is to remember the acronym ACTS, A-C-T-S. stands for Adoration, Confession, Thanksgiving, and Supplication. Adoration just means you praise God. It could be for something that you saw in the text that you just read. Praise God. Then confession. Think of one or two sins to confess to God. It could be a thought, an attitude, a word, or an action that is sinful. Ask God to forgive you and help you obey him. Then thanksgiving. You thank God for one or two things. Thank him not just for the stuff that he gives you. You can thank him for what he's done. Absolutely. But you should also thank him for who he is. Then finally, supplication. That just means asking for God's help. Think of one or two things to pray for yourself and one or two things to pray for someone else. Praying for people is a great way to exercise your faith in God. It's a great way to serve God, and it is powerful. I know it seems simple. I know especially younger children are like, like my kids even, dad, what can we do? to fight abortion. One of the greatest things you can do, one of the most powerful things you can do, is praying. Psalm 8, 2 says, out of the mouth of babes, you've established strength because of your foes to still the enemy. And the prayers of children are a powerful weapon against our enemy, the devil. God loves the prayers of youth and children. Just simple, heartfelt prayers. Prayers. God, please end abortion. God, please stop the war in Ukraine. God, please save my neighbor. Simple, heartfelt prayers. He loves those. It's a huge way to serve God. Prayer is something that Christians do throughout the day. We, we talk to God throughout the day. We, we seek his help and his guidance. This is how you walk with Christ. The more you talk with him, the closer you will become. Now, I made a little devotional sheet with these things on it. They're over on the resource table for your, for your children, okay? It's just a tool. It's to help teach your kids how to have a personal Bible time and prayer time. You can take one of these, and if we run out, we'll send it out in an email uh, this week, so you can print more if you want to. Once you get the hang of it, though, you don't have to keep using the piece of paper, right? Now, if you find that writing things down is helpful, then Great, maybe get a journal. I love journaling. I find it very helpful for me to focus my thoughts. I can write down Bible verses to help me memorize them, write down my prayers, my praises, my thoughts on what God is speaking to me. That's available if you, uh, if you want it. The point of Bible study and prayer is to follow Christ. It's to lead us to obedience, to know him and obey what he commands. And I just want to emphasize one thing here Uh, For us, and that is this that when we talk about being faithful to Jesus, that doesn't mean being perfect. No one is gonna be perfect. We're gonna mess up. You're gonna mess up. And when you sin, be quick to ask God for forgiveness and ask for His help to be faithful to Him again. Just come back to Him. You're gonna mess up. You're gonna sin. Just come back to Him. Ask Him for forgiveness. He will. And ask Him for help to be faithful. We follow Christ in His strength, not our own. So there's grace for us when we sin. God forgives us. And there is grace for us that gives us the strength to follow Him. Moms and dads, two things for you. One, you need to model personal devotions and prayer for your kids. Show them what it means to follow Jesus. Model this. Number two, if they're younger, then practice this with them and show them how to read and pray. Walk them through it. Part of modeling this comes from doing family worship together in your home. That's part of how you can model this for your kids. If you need help getting started with family worship, just come and and talk to one of us as pastors. We typically have a book on the resource table to help. It's gone. I just put it there like last week, which is awesome that it's gone. Um, We'll get more. We put... Help to do this in the email every week. I realize that most of us as adults did not grow up in homes where this was normal. We don't really have an example for how to do this and we would love, love to help you learn how to do family worship with your, with your home or in your home. Now, we're gonna talk uh, more in the coming weeks about how to serve God by serving other people at home, in the world, and and so forth. But I want to end here with a word about church as it relates to your relationship to God. Because we're in that middle-center circle about your relationship with God. Church is an important part of knowing and following Christ. So we want to ask, how can I serve God at church? And I want to suggest to you young people that first and foremost... It comes by participating in the service, what we're doing right now. God wants you to worship him wholeheartedly when you come to church, to sing out loud with all your strength. God wants you to listen carefully when his word is read and preached. So come prayerfully, come to church saying, God Speak to me today. Teach me today. The Lord's day is a time to meet with God, to worship him, to hear from his word, to be encouraged and built up in your faith. So when you come to church, come ready to hear from God, ready to worship God. That is how you serve God first and foremost on Sunday morning. When you participate in everything that's going on in this worship service, right where you are. You are pleasing God. It pleases God. And at the same time, it builds you up and strengthens you in your faith. Now, of course, there's other ways to participate, right? Other ways to bring him glory. You can serve encouraging your friends during the fellowship meal. There's, there's greeting and giving and tech and facility clothes. And if you're too young, you can help your parents. And we can talk about all of those things What I really want to emphasize is that you serve God first and foremost right here by participating in every part of our service, every part. That's how you serve him and draw close to him. God's at work in the world and you have a part to play in it. God wants you to serve him. To follow Christ from the days of your youth, starting right now. So, the question is, who are you going to serve? It's like we read in the Old Testament, choose you this day whom you will serve. Choose to follow Christ in the days of your youth. Let's pray. Bow your heads with me. God, I just thank you and praise you that you created each and every one of us with purpose, good works for us to walk in, that you love us so much to draw us to your Son, and that you use us with all of our weaknesses to accomplish your plans for this world. It's awesome. It's awesome. And I pray that you would help us to be faithful in what you've called us to do pray specifically this morning for the young people in our church, the children and the youth. God, that you'd grab hold of their hearts and that they would follow hard after you with their whole hearts, their whole lives. We ask it in Jesus' name. All God's people said, amen.